Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. Today, Dr. Forrest presents part two of the series, What If Psalm 91 Was Really True? Say it with me. We're at church, growing and thriving, overflowing with love, strengthening the family, transforming the community, impacting the world, where every member is a minister and a church alive is worth the drive. Let me hear you. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, today, it is What If Psalm 91 Was Really True, Part 2. Amen. I sound like a game show announcer, don't I? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, by way of introduction, you know, most Christians who have been serving the Lord for a while are are familiar with Psalm 91, and and we know it as a passage of Scripture uh, that's most closely associated with with divine protection for the believer. Amen? And I think it's significant that scholars believe that Moses was the author of Psalm 91. And the fact that Moses is credited as the author is significant when you consider that Moses lived a strong, healthy, long life. And at the age of 120, the Lord asked him to climb up Mount Nebo, which was a 2,330-foot mountain, to climb up there, take a look into the promised land, and then lay down and die. And he was able to do it because the Bible says in Deuteronomy 34-7 that even at 120, his natural strength was not abated. His eyesight was still keen. Amen. How else could he get up on top of that mountain and see from east to west into the promised land. Let me give you a little picture of that. That is believed to be the summit of Mount Nebo, okay? You get to the top, and then you look from east to west, and that's what you see. You see the Dead Sea, and you see the promised land in the distance. And he was able to see it, and I believe he breathed a sigh of relief. I got him here. Now Joshua is going to take him in. I can go to be with my Lord, amen, and be at peace. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. How would you like to be challenged by the Lord at 120 years old to climb a 2,330-foot mountain? I want to talk about this for just a minute because I believe in the church of Jesus Christ there is a culture of unbelief and a culture that says when you grow older, you grow weaker and more feeble and more diseases are able to latch on to you. And I think we as a people of God need to change that paradigm. We need to change that paradigm because it's wrong. And, you know, I've been saying for years, I embrace the spirit of Caleb, who was 85 years old, and he said, I'm as strong as I was when I was in my 40s. And Joshua said, okay, uh, you want Hebron? You want the mount that they call Hebron? You know, that is currently infested with the Anakim, which is giants. If you want that mountain, you go take it, Caleb. And he did so at 85 years old. Now, this is a man who was not born again, spirit filled like you and I. He had the anointing upon, but we have the anointing within and upon. How much more should we be making statements like Caleb did at age 85? I'm just kicking in the afterburners. I'm not ready to die. 
I'm ready to launch out in some new adventure of faith for the Lord. Amen. Think about it. The Bible says that Joshua and Caleb had a different spirit about them. That word there in the Hebrew is the Hebrew word ruach. It means breath. They had a different spirit. Some translations say they had a different attitude about things. Amen. Hallelujah. And as a result, we know from Scripture that Joshua lived to be 110 years old. It doesn't tell us how old Caleb lived to be, but I can guarantee you he wasn't too far behind. And then Moses lived to be 120. Amen. And he set the example. So when you read through Psalm 91, keep in mind, it is a testimony of the strength and the vibrancy and the longevity that the Lord can give someone who will believe his promises. Amen. It is Moses testimony that I live the life of longevity, endurance and strength because the Lord girded me up and the Lord gave me strength. Amen. Hallelujah. So when you read Psalm 91, keep that in mind. It should create in you a desire to build a culture of your own. I'm getting older, but it doesn't mean I'm getting weaker. I'm getting older. I'm at least maintaining the strength I had before. And in some cases, I'm increasing in strength. Amen. That should be your testimony as you get older. Amen. Don't be like some people who talk themselves into an early grave. Don't be like that. Glory to God. Psalm 107.20 says, He sent His Word and healed them and delivered them from all their destruction. And if you look it up, some translations say, He sent His Word and healed them and delivered them from an early grave. Amen. If He delivered you from an early grave, don't be talking yourself into an early grave. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, Pastor Scott, for getting on your soapbox because I needed to hear that. Amen. Watch what you say with your mouth. I believe it's Psalm 141.3. David said, keep the door of my lips, Lord. Watch over my mouth. Make sure I don't say anything that's not pleasing to you. Make sure I don't say anything that's not in faith. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right. I got that out of me. It was in me, and I got it out. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, for those of you who would say to me, well, now, Scott, do you have a promise that you can stand on when you say I'm getting older, but I'm also getting stronger? I'm at least maintaining my strength or, in some cases, increasing my strength. Well, yes, I do. Hallelujah. I'm going to read it to you. Yes, I do. Deuteronomy 33, 25. This is a promise made to the tribe of Asher. It was a blessing spoken over the tribe of Asher. Asher was the physical seed of Abraham. Thy shoes shall be iron and brass. And as thy days, so shall thy strength be. Iron in the Bible is a type of strength. Brass is a type of judgment. You shall be strong and and execute judgment, and as thy days, so shall thy strength be. In other words, as your days increase, so shall your strength. Amen. Hallelujah. There's my Bible proof that I can get older and I can get stronger. Amen. 
And if I can't get stronger in some areas, I can at least maintain the strength that I have now that I had in my early days. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, now, Brother Scott, that was a promise to the tribe of Asher. How do you think you can receive that for yourself? Well, I got an answer for that, too. Galatians 3.29 says, And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. If you belong to Christ, you are not necessarily the physical seed of Abraham, but you are the spiritual seed of Abraham, and you inherit any promise that was passed down to the children of Israel in the Bible. Amen. Hallelujah. Deuteronomy 33.25 belongs to me because I belong to Jesus. So I'll ask the same question I asked last week. Do we really believe Psalm 91 is true for everyday believers like it was for Moses? Or or do we just pay lip service to it when we feel like we need a little extra protection in our lives? Amen. Do we really believe Psalm 91 is true? I say if we really believed it, we'd be acting a lot different. We'd be living our lives different. We would not be living in fear. We would be bold and strong and moving forward always. So last week, we kicked off the series by reading Psalm 91 in its entirety, and then we circled back for a verse-by-verse study. We're going to do the same thing this week, and we'll pick it up where we left off last week. Amen. So listen up, because the Bible says faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Psalm 91 in the King James Version. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Amen. Glory to God. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with His feathers and under His wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Glory to God. I can't help it, folks. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee, to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder, the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. Amen. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Amen. Hallelujah. That word there, salvation, we mentioned this last week. It's worth mentioning again. And it's worth tucking away in your little bag of scripture tricks. Amen. This word that is translated 
Salvation is the Hebrew word Yeshua. Amen. It's the word Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I love it. Isn't it wonderful that the Holy Spirit wraps up this psalm with the name Yeshua, which is the Hebrew word for salvation? Amen. Listen, Moses testifies that God will give the believer who places his faith in him a long and healthy and vibrant life. And the Holy Spirit reminds us that it's all about Jesus. In Moses' case, it's all about what Jesus would do in his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. And for us New Testament believers, it's about what he's already done in his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. Amen. Hallelujah. Moses testifies, but in the end, the bottom line is, it's all about what Jesus did. He's the one who who broke his body and shed his blood so that all this protection could be granted unto us. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right. Let's circle back to verse 5 and 6, pretty much where we left off. And we'll we'll dig in again. I want to revisit verse 5 and 6. There's a couple things I didn't bring out last week that I want to bring out this week. Hallelujah. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day. Last week we talked about how this verse shows us that God's protection for us is day and night, 24-7. It doesn't matter whether it's spiritual or physical. God's protection for us is day and night, 24-7. Amen? God has it covered. We're absolutely wrapped up in His protection as long as we put our trust in Him. Amen? We do not have to be afraid. I shared last week about the vision of the Lord that I had in April of 1985. He came to help me break the cycle of demonic nightmares in my life And he came and let me know that even though he's not always visible, he is nevertheless always there. So I don't have to be afraid. The Lord is with you everywhere you go and in everything you do. He is with you. He is for you. And praise God, in these days, he is in you. Amen. Hallelujah. Why would you ever be afraid? If the one who created the universe, the one who raised Christ from the dead, he dwells and lives in you. Amen. Every devil in hell has to bow to the one who lives in you. Amen. Glory to God. Verse six. Nor for the pestilence. We don't have to be afraid of the terror by night or the arrows that fly by day, nor for the pestilence. That walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. Amen. It's fixing to get exciting. It's fixing to get incredible. So just uh, fasten your seatbelt. Amen. Hallelujah. The word there, pestilence, in the Hebrew means a, a deadly plague or disease. So you should not be afraid of a deadly plague or disease that that walketh in darkness, that sort of creeps around, seeing if it can come on you, amen? Nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. You don't have to be afraid of that kind of destruction. You look up that Hebrew word, and it means to be cut off. Amplified says sudden death. So let me say it to you again with with this new revelation that we have. We don't have to be afraid 
for the deadly plague or disease that comes in darkness or for the destruction or possible sudden death that might come in the middle of the day. Amen. We do not have to be afraid of any of those things. Now, I'm going to pose some questions to you, and you don't have to raise your hand if your answer is affirmative. Do you lay awake at night wondering whether you have some deadly disease that the doctors just haven't found yet? Do you look up every symptom you experience in WebMD to find out what's wrong with you and then obsess over what horrible thing might come upon you? Do you wonder sometimes if you'll live through the night, whether a heart attack or some unforeseen thing will cause you to die suddenly in the night when you least expect it? Listen, that's no way to live. A life of fear and dread was was not bought for you by the Lord. He didn't break his body and shed his blood so that you could live in fear for the rest of your life. He came to give you life and to give it more abundantly, and to have it more abundantly means to be totally absent of fear. Hallelujah. The Bible says perfect love cast out fear. If you're in perfect love, you will not lay awake at night worrying about a thing, least of all, whether you're going to die in the night. Amen. Now listen, I'm not saying that you shouldn't take care of yourself and that you shouldn't visit the doctor for an issue that you're dealing with. But I am saying this. If you're placing your faith in medical science alone and not in Jesus and his saving power, you need to change your paradigm completely. Well, the doctor said, what did Jesus say? I came to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. Second Chronicles 16, 12. I want to share a story about a good king. King Asa was a good king. He was Jehoshaphat's father. He was a good king of Judah. But near the end of his life, if you study it out, this happened in his older years. Verse 12 of 2 Chronicles 16. In the 39th year of his reign, Asa developed a serious foot disease. Yet even with the severity of his disease, he did not seek the Lord's help, but turned only to his physicians. Did you hear that? Let me read that again. In the 39th year of his reign, Asa developed a serious foot disease. Yet even with the severity of his disease, he did not seek the Lord's help, but turned only to his physicians. The Bible says two years later, he died of that disease. I'm not saying don't go to the doctor. I'm saying if you're going to go to the doctor, go to the doctor trusting Jesus. Whatever the doctor can do to help, they're fighting the same enemy, sickness and disease. Doctors are wonderful. It's great that we have the medical technology that we have. But bottom line is they don't have all the answers. If you're going to go to the doctor, go to the doctor trusting Jesus. Dr. Jesus, amen? Let him be your personal physician. Let him be your attending. Is that what they call him? Your attending physician? Yeah, amen. I consulted one of the nurses in the congregation. She's nodding her head. Yes, amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Have I made my point? 
Glory. Verse 7. Now, I want to set you up for verse 7. I want to just tell you up front, this is an astounding promise. It is an earth-shattering promise. I'm going to try and build a picture for you so you'll see just how astounding this promise is. Verse 7 says, A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Oh, I got to read that again. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Amen. I want you to let this verse paint a mental picture for you so you can get a feel for the magnitude of this promise. Let me help you. Back in those days, when nations went to war against one another, many times it was on a massive scale. Hundreds of thousands of men on either side would wage epic, brutal, bloody warfare against one another. And this kind of warfare would typically begin with a hail of arrows launched toward the enemy's forces. After the enemy had been sufficiently weakened by this aerial attack, you would close on your enemy until you could hack the survivors to pieces with your sword or run them through with your spear, all while preventing the enemy from doing the same things to you. The odds of you dying in such a conflict were extremely high. Death on such a large scale was far more possible than it is in modern warfare, excluding nukes, of course. That's a different ball game. Not going to go there this morning. So faith for protection in battle was no easy thing for the biblical warrior. But it was possible. Well, if it was possible then, bless God, it is possible now, amen? If the biblical warrior could believe God for protection in battle, how much more does the modern warrior who trusts in Jesus, how much more is he able to believe God for protection in battle, amen? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, I want to show you a couple of slides just to let you know why this is such a personal verse for me. But it shall not come nigh thee, the slide says, Psalm 91, verse 7. This was the village of Kandahar in southern Afghanistan. And there was a mighty battle of our forces back in the day to take that city from the enemy. And I provided air cover, me and my fellow bomber pilots and other fighter pilots and air, air force and Marines and Navy aircraft. We provided air cover for that battle. And I believe those are either artillery shells going off or they're bombs that were dropped from the air in support of the Marines and the army that were fighting there at Kandahar. Amen. Okay, so next slide. This was a collage that was made by my daughter to honor me on Veterans Day. So if y'all want to know, back in the day, before I was a preacher, this is what I did for a living. Okay, Started out in the bottom left corner as a helicopter pilot. Flew combat missions in Grenada and Beirut, Lebanon. And there I am in Beirut in the upper left corner there. I was on shore party that day, goofing off on the top of a building, taking John Wayne pictures. 
Then uh, to the right there are my, uh, is a picture from my fighter pilot days. And then the bottom right is a picture from my bomber days. And that was my last flight in the mighty B-52 bomber. Amen. So I showed you that to let you know that I've had several occasions during my military career to stand on the promises of Psalm 91. And God has miraculously delivered me a number of times. Next week, I will share a testimony where my co-pilot actually saw the hand of God on the top of our aircraft that saved us from certain death. I'll share that next week. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Verse 8. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Now, that's kind of King Jamesian. So I did a little digging and I found the Amplified. The Amplified says it like this. You will only be a spectator as you look on with your eyes and witness the divine repayment of the wicked as you watch safely from the shelter of the Most High. Amen. Hallelujah. You're in your sheltered box and you're going to get to be a witness of what happens to those that have come against you with evil intents. Amen. They're going to fall and you're going to remain protected. Isn't that a wonderful picture? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Verse 10 is kind of the coup d'etat today. Going to end with this. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. How many have that memorized? Probably everybody in here, amen? But I bet I'm going to share some things this morning about that verse that you did not know. Amen. First of all, you may not have thought of this. There shall no evil befall thee. That means no evil of any kind. Let me repeat that. No evil of any kind. No evil shall befall you. So if you can construct a scenario in your mind of evil coming against you, no matter what scenario you can construct, the Bible says, I have delivered you out of that. There shall no evil that you can imagine or that you could even not imagine. No evil of any kind shall befall you. Amen. That's a staggering promise. How many people are walking in that safely 24-7? You say, Brother Scott, well, you know, some people, you know, it's just their time. They, you know, they get hit by a car and it was just an accident. Well, I say if they're a believer, they missed it somewhere. They weren't walking in the strength and the truth of Psalm 91 as perfectly as they could have. Amen. Listen, don't take the protection of the Lord for granted. But on the other hand, be bold to say, The Lord is my strength. He is my refuge. He is my fortress. He is my God. In him will I trust. There shall no evil of any kind befall me. Everybody with me? I mean, we could stop right there and say we had church. I mean, really get a hold of that. There shall no evil of any kind befall you and me. If we're in the secret place. And remember last week we said we get there by faith, by saying, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, he is my fortress, he is my God. In him and him alone will I trust, amen. But there's more. There shall no evil befall thee, 
neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. That word there, plague, is the Hebrew word that means strike, blow, mark, or spot. In other words, if someone tries to strike at you with a baseball bat or a machete or deliver a blow with their fist or some other blunt object, the Bible says, neither shall any strike or blow or mark or spot come nigh thy dwelling. Now, I've I've painted a picture of the strike and the blow part, but if you look it up, no spot or mark in the Hebrew means including leprosy. Not a spot or a mark shall come on you, says the Lord. Not a spot or a mark of any kind. Listen, you got pimples you don't you don't want? The Bible says he has delivered you from that. There shall no spot or mark come near your dwelling. Let's talk about dwelling. What does that word there, dwelling, mean? Well, in the Hebrew, it means tent or tabernacle. This house, this body, is the temple, the tent, or the tabernacle of the Lord. A lot of people think that this is applying to your house. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague Come nigh thy dwelling. They think of their personal address, where they live. Listen, you can apply it to that, but that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about your dwelling, the earth suit that you live in. Remember, we said this many times to live on planet Earth, you have to have an earth suit. Amen. You'll go out there and live in space, you've got to have a space suit. If something happens to your earth suit, then you're going to go be with Jesus. Amen. So, this is talking about your personal dwelling place where the real you resides you've heard it said many times in faith circles you are a spirit which has a soul and you live in a body you live in this dwelling place you live in this temple amen so let me read it all again with all of that revelation in place there shall no evil of any kind befall thee neither shall any strike or blow or mark or spot Come nigh your body. Amen. Hallelujah. Second Corinthians 5, 1 in the New King James Version. I want to make this point scripturally. This is the Bible verse that tells us that our dwelling place, our tabernacle is our body. Second Corinthians 5, 1 says, For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, this tent is destroyed, We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So there's two things I want you to see there. First of all, our bodies are our earthly dwelling, our tents or our tabernacles. So it is right to interpret Psalm 91.10 the way that we have been interpreting it. Okay. Number two, I've been talking for weeks about how there's a new body waiting for you in heaven. And here is where it is stated in Scripture. We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Other translations say we have a new body waiting for us that will never, ever die. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I thought you'd enjoy that. I did. Amen. Glory to God. I like to think about it like this. 
And I've started lately to make this confession over my body. Now, y'all just follow my logic here. There shall no evil befall this body, for it is my dwelling place. No plague has any right to come near it. I live in here with my landlord. He is a fellow tenant, and he is my personal physician. As my landlord, he is responsible for the upkeep of this house. When it comes to repairing, he knows what it needs and when it's needed. Amen. I trust him completely with my house. As my personal physician, he is able to deal with any pain, sickness, or disease that tries to come into this house. Then based on his promises in Psalm 91, I began to command sickness, disease, pain, and anything else that's trying to take residence in or on my house to leave the premises immediately. Amen. And I've been having some fun with it. I say, listen, I'm living in here with my landlord and my physician, and none of us want anything that the devil is peddling towards our way. Hallelujah. We resist it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Somebody asked me to lay this down on on tape or, or recording. And it was, you know, just a sample. Can't remember who it was, but somebody asked me to to say it again, the little ditty that I say over myself every day. And I'll just give you a, a couple samples of what I say. I'm very verbal, I'm very vocal. It's the way you gotta be, you know. You got to say it with your mouth and you got to believe it in your heart. You got to release faith into the atmosphere if it's going to affect your body. Amen. So I say things like this. I say, I get up every morning and, and this is the first thing that I confess over myself. I say, Jesus himself, he personally took my infirmities and bore my sicknesses. And with his stripes, I was and I am healed. That's Matthew 8, 16, 17, 1 Peter 2, 24, Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. Furthermore, Isaiah 53, 4 says, surely, without a doubt, he has borne my disease and carried my pains. Then I say the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, he dwells in me. He makes me better, quicker, stronger, smarter, healthier. He quickens and makes alive my mortal flesh. That's Romans 8, 11. And he kills on contact. Germs, harmful bacteria, virus, fungus, unwanted growths, cancers. He purges my heart valves, my veins, my arteries, my capillaries of blockage, obstruction, and restriction. Removes all hardening, replaces it with elasticity. Removes all inflammation in the name of Jesus. So that blood flows freely without blockage, obstruction, or restriction to all parts of my body. I am free of disease, and whom the sun sets free is free indeed. I say that over myself just about every morning of my life. It's in my consciousness, and I see that it is bearing fruit. Amen. You know, I had a bout with shingles. Oh, it's been several months ago. and. You know, it tried to come back under my right uh, armpit. 
What an awful place for it to come back. I saw two spots, and I said, that's enough. Stop right there. I'm not having it in the name of Jesus. You're not welcome in this body. You're not welcome on my skin. Depart in Jesus' name. And within an hour, immediately, it started drying up. It's drying up. It's still drying up, you know. Instead of weeks, in some cases, months of pain like other people I know have experienced, just a matter of a day or so, and it's just on its way out. Because I stopped it in its tracks before it gained traction. You can sit there and you can just sort of tolerate things until it takes hold, and then it's harder to uproot than if you just say, that's it, I'm not having it. I do not receive this. Me, my landlord, and my physician, none of us want you on our body in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Isn't that a wonderful revelation? Isn't that a wonderful thing to say of yourself? Listen, you don't have to copy me verbatim, but come up with your own thing that you speak over your body. Come up with your own thing that you speak over your personal protection. Because it's all a part of what Jesus bought and paid for with his body and his blood. You know, Romans 10, 9 says, if you shall confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, thou shalt be saved. What do you believe in? That Christ Jesus was raised from the dead and his finished work bought for you some things. The things are found in the word there, saved, which we talked about last week. It is translated from the Greek word sozo. It means to be spiritually saved to become physically sound, to be protected from bodily harm, to be made whole. Hallelujah. You get the whole enchilada. Your Mexican entree is not missing a thing. You get it all. I am saved. I am whole. You know, the Hebrew concept, we talked about this again last week, of shalom. Nothing is missing and nothing is broken, for I am whole. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. We'll pick it up here next week and we'll finish off Psalm 91. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed part two of today's message titled, What if Psalm 91 was really true? If you would like to learn more about Faith Life Fellowship and access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, you can visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, Visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington.